Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Well, the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with all of us gathered here in worship today. I want to welcome uh, those of us who are not only in this room, but those who are uh, tuning in uh, online and the rest of our church family uh, worshiping in the Family Life Center. Welcome you into this time of study and worship. Listen, I want you to know uh, Chip and Scotta Couch. Most of you do know Chip and Scotta, uh, but here's some good news that maybe you know or don't know. About two weeks ago, uh, you two celebrated your first anniversary of marriage. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, let's celebrate that. Yeah. So what you think? Is it going to stick or you going to give it another year? Okay. Right. Hey, listen, tell us, you know, you know, and uh, you're helping us out here this morning because you know we're in this series on sharing our faith and talking about how to bear witness to the faith that is in us. And I, I want to ask you a few questions today, Scotta and Chip. But I want to begin just by asking something about your own mutual journey. So uh, tell us something about how how you met, how you two came together, because I think that is a profound beginning point for us today. So the the way we met actually was about 12 years ago when the church decided to add another dinner night for No Longer Bound. We were just doing the first Thursday and decided to add the third Tuesday. And um, so when we did that, we had to bring on more Sunday school classes to help with the meals. And Chip's Sunday school class came. We did. And <laughs> you, uh, I'm a little bit nervous because last time I was up here, I did get married, so I don't know if I can get married. That's right. That's right. There are a lot of promises made last time you were standing right here. That's right. Uh, no, yeah, once you meet Scott, uh, you never forget Scott. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so we... We became friends. Yeah. 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 Was... We were at different seasons in our life. Um, yeah. There was a long journey ahead. Okay. Uh, an unfinished journey, but yeah. a very long journey for us to go to. And, sure. Um, I went from actually serving those meals to receiving those meals when I mm-hmm. no longer bound about five years ago, okay. um, which is, I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah. Part of your story, so, yeah. yeah. So what, what some of you may not be aware of is uh, Scotta actually was part of introducing JCBC to No Longer Bound, really. Mm-hmm. No Longer Bound ministry, the recovery ministry for men, uh, is such an integral part of who we are now. So many of your Sunday school classes um, love these men and are in relationship with these men as they're making their journey through recovery. Um, but I know Chip and Scott, both of you have talked very openly about um, your faith journey um, through recovery yourself, that each of you has your own journey uh, of recovery uh, from various addictions. Mm-hmm. And I've been so blessed by the courage each of you have had to share that. And I just want to ask this question because we're talking about 
where does this witness begin? It begins by paying attention to the thing you've experienced, your own story. So let me ask you, when you think about your faith, right, and you think about you know, talking about your faith, what does your, your journey through recovery do to help shape all of that? How, do, how does your faith get shaped or your telling of your faith get shaped through your recovery journey? Yeah, you start. All right, I, I think for me, uh, you know, growing up, I was baptized at uh, Dunway Baptist Church, 1984, August, you know, I accepted, accepted Christ, and for the longest time, I just felt uncomfortable talking about it, and I think that's, I felt like I, I lacked knowledge, and, you know, growing up, I went to Christian schools all the way through college, um, but really, I feel like I was just getting book knowledge, and I think as I went through the process at No Longer Bound, the biggest thing I got out of that program was a relationship with God, mm. a, a, a true relationship with God, which is what everything else is based on. And so for me to be able to spread that now is I want those guys, because I'm on staff there now, mm. um, I want the guys that I'm teaching to realize that the shame that they're bringing in doesn't need to be there. Mm. We've got a, I try to convey that this is a God of grace, that they don't have to pay anything. God's not looking for anything in return. He, he wants to give them grace and just to get them to realize that. And I think doing that, I just get out of my head. I, I get out of that, and I, hopefully they see the passion that I have in spreading that word. Okay. Right. I would think with, with me, too, similar, but um, my... Um, recovery involves so much of not feeling loved by the Lord. And so there's probably many people here right now that have that same feeling. And so what I try to convey in my walk and my talk is I, I'm loved. And that's my witness. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's sometimes just telling my story. Yeah. Despite, um, the, despite the shame that you carry around. Yeah, and, and, and that was really hard to start. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, but I realized, once I, I did shared my story one time, how many other people could, could relate, maybe not addiction, but just related to that sense of being unlove, unlovable. That's so, interesting. You know, we sometimes have said before uh, that there is solidarity in suffering. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so when you, you bear a particular kind of wound and are surprised to learn that someone else bears a similar wound, there's a strength in that. Well, and the community of the church as yeah. a whole. I mean, That's we're right. not alone. That's right. And, and so often we feel that way. Yeah. And, you know, this church, I mean, I, I joined the choir before I joined the church. And it was Yeah, there's that, a lot of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it truly is a family. And, yeah. I mean, we say we are, you know, we are music, we are family. Right. And I think that's what church and that fellowship, um, the community of believers can bring to that, okay. to your witness. That's good. That's so strong. So, you know, today I'm going to say some things in just a minute about um, how our story or our testimony or our witness or our message, whatever you want to label it, um, has something to do with recognizing that we're all unfinished, that we're imperfect people with unfinished stories. And that part of the journey is about staying aware of what God is up to in us right now, not just what God has done for us, but what God is attempting to do in us all the time, even right now. So my last question for you would be for each of you to kind of reflect on this. What, when you think about what God has been up to lately in you, what is God up to in your own personal journeys these days? 
or even in your mutual shared journey? Well, he's busy. He's busy. <laughs> he's, okay. he's busy in our lives. I feel like um, we're just actively seeking to see where he's at work and joining him there. Okay. So, um, you know, No Longer Bound is a big part of our lives. And yeah. um, Chip's on staff there. I teach family recovery, so I work with the families. And I'm just constantly just trying to watch and see what, what he's doing and join okay. him in that. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss don't that opportunity. Miss no, I don't. Yeah. I think for me, anytime I get uh, frustrated, feel attacked, um, I feel like I'm doing something right. And, I, and, and God just has a way of popping up at just the right time to remind me of that. And it can be just a little thing or it could be something really big, but I think uh, he's constantly guiding me and pointing me in the right direction. Um, once I let my guard down, he hasn't steered me wrong. Once you let your guard down, he hasn't steered you wrong. Okay. Now, I can't tell you what a gift both of you are here to our church and to me right here, right now. So I'm grateful that you would share your journey. Uh, would you join me in thanking uh, Chip and Scott? And All right, let's take just a moment uh, and think about what we've heard about the journey that they're making and how it merges with our own journey and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Would you bow with me? God, we stop for just a moment to acknowledge that you really are, we believe, up to something always in us. Sometimes we do miss it. I mean, Scott's words are so strong. I don't want to miss it. And yes, sometimes we do. Maybe even most of the time we do because you, you, never, you never clock out. You never clock out. You're always at work in us and around us. And our prayer today is that you would somehow awaken within us a kind of deepened awareness of where you're at work and how to, how to bear witness to that work in the lives of those whom we love and who we want to take part in this beautiful thing you're doing in and around us all the time. Uh, we pray your, um, your spirit even now would speak to us until our hearts are transformed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in this new series, in the series, uh, Can I Get a Witness? By the way, some ground rules I should have told you last week. During a, a sermon series like Can I Get a Witness, uh, here's some ground rules. If I say, Can I Get a Witness, you got some things to say. You can say, Amen. You can say uh, hallelujah, you can say yes, sir. you can say preach it, you can say whatever you got to say, raise your hand, but if I say can I get a witness, that means I need your help making this point. So can I get a witness? Yeah. All right, all right's a good one too, all right. Now, we've been talking about this and we will be talking about this because we, we want to talk about how we bear witness to the thing that is in us all the time. This beautiful, amazing, redemptive, reconciling work of the love of Jesus Christ. And part of the reason that we are so adamant about having this conversation, about learning to share our faith without feeling creepy about it, the part of the reason is we are commanded to do so. I mean, in the Bible, we are commanded to share the light, to share the good news as people who have been transformed by that news. 
I mean, think about it. In the book of Acts, we hear these words. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In Mark's gospel, we hear, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the, I love this phrase, to the whole creation. And then back in Matthew again, go therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So not just in these few passages, but all through the New Testament is this this summons, this summons for you and I to, to bear witness to this amazing love that has transformed all of humankind. But it's not just that we are commanded to bear witness. That's not why we're doing what we're doing. Not just because we're commanded, but because we are compelled. To be compelled by something means you are so overwhelmed by the thing that it moves you and you can't shut up about it. You've been so affected and might, I might even say infected by this thing that you want to be contagious and share this thing. Listen, a few years ago, Listerine came out with a really great product. It is a bestseller. I think right now, I bet you five bucks, although we don't bet in church. I bet you five bucks. Glenn has one in his pocket right now. Listerine, I haven't checked with him. Do you have it? No, you don't. The Listerine used to have these little, you have one? Oh, bring it up here. Hello, you are the man. Oh, look. Oh, I just love this guy. Thank you. Listen, Glenn has the freshest breath in this church. <laughs> Listen, uh, a few years ago, they came up with these Listerine strips. And when they did, I went crazy over them. I thought, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And I told everybody about it. It's not, it's not a sugary mint. It's not a, a stick of gum that you got to chomp on. It's literally mouthwash. You put a strip of this. Can I take one? It's okay. Just kind of, I used to even have a, I used to even be able to do it with one. Oh, look at that. Mmm. Uh. Mmm. So good. Mm. Keep it? Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll get it later. Um, so I used to tell everybody about these. And everywhere I'd go, I'd have a pocket full of them. Hmm. Where's Laura? Laura needs a kiss right about now. <laughs> I used to keep a pocket full. And I would say, have you seen these? These are amazing. Have one. You need one. You really need one, you know. <laughs> because I was so compelled by it. Listen, a, a couple, three, four years ago, I began to pay close attention to a particular band called Need to Breathe. Listen, this, is, this band is insane. They're so good. They write songs that are so profound, so profoundly written. They write songs that give worship to God. They're a Christian band. But at the same time, they may have one song that gives glory to God. And the very next song in the concert is, and now this one is so you can flirt with your wife. And he sings a song about love with your wife. And, and I tell everybody about it. I would go on Spotify and I would share. You'd click the share. Hey, have you heard this band? This is an amazing band. Because I was compelled by it, I wanted others to be blessed by the thing I, I knew. Now, if you sit with me any more than five minutes, you know I'm going to start talking about the Enneagram. Yeah? Some of you are grinning, some of you are groaning. Because the Enneagram, as I have told you, is the single greatest tool, second only to the Word of God, 
in my self-discovery, in my soul care, in my spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. And so why wouldn't someone who discovers something like that want to share that with people he loves? So, spoiler alert, in 2020, there may just be a a sermon series entitled, Me, Myself, and Why, (laughs) in which we explore because when you're compelled by something that is so transformative, You want to share it with those you love. But we're not talking about Listerine strips. We're not talking about a band. We're not talking about a personality typing system. We're talking about the redemptive love of Jesus Christ that changed the entire trajectory of the story of humankind. We're talking about what changed the mind and heart inside of each of us and and changed our pathway from self-destruction to eternal life with him. So I believe if I were to ask anyone or all of those of us who are here in worship today, I'll bet I couldn't find anybody who doesn't want to share good news with others. The trouble is not that we are not willing. The trouble is we don't know where to start. Some of us who really want to share the redemptive love of God with others, we want to, but we don't know the words. We can't find the words. We don't know how to put them together in a way that doesn't sound creepy. And that's what I want to talk practically about this morning. In fact, I want to talk about two or three things. I want to talk about words. I want to give you words. If you have never led someone to Christ or shared your faith openly with with another person who you love, I want to talk about words, very clear words, but then I want to say some words about those words, some words of caution about those words, some words of disclaimer about those words, some qualifying words about those words. So I'm going to say some words, I'm going to say some words about those words, and then I want to give you some better words, all right? Some better words. So first, words words. For years, for generations, there has been oh, any number of predictable, um, uh, easy to understand, easy to follow pathways in sharing your faith. One of the most famous over the years is known as the Roman road. Anybody ever heard of the Roman road? How many of you came to Christ because someone shared with you the Roman road? Anybody? Oh, good. I've got fresh meat right in front of me. The Roman road is simply this. It's a construction of a pathway into a relationship with Jesus constructed only of verses used in the book of Romans. Can I show you what it looks like? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, that was 3.23, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates God's love for us in this, in that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and is so justified, and one confesses with the mouth and is so saved. In fact, Gene, put up there just the summary of those in case somebody wants to write those down. That's not a bad pathway, not a bad road to begin a conversation with someone about faith. Here's how it sounds as you as you flow it all together, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, see, demonstrates God's love for us in this, in that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, even when we were learning that coming up and, and at different uh, youth events and in college, when we were talking about that growing up, the Roman road, there was even another way to help trigger the memory about what verse went where and how did I remember to have this conversation. We used to say, remember your ABCs. We used to say, remember your ABCs. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died to save you from your sins. C, confess that he is Lord and live. Now, for a, a long time, can I just be very candid with you? I didn't like to talk about um, witnessing or testifying using the ABC model. It sounds so simplistic. Because I know that following Jesus, just like you know, following Jesus is not about something that simplistic. It's not just about the words that you say. Anybody can say words. It's about a whole life commitment of, yes, confessing some words and then demonstrating the evidence of those words as we're living it out every day among people, right? But at the same time, at the end of the day, that's really what it is, ABC. That's how I know I have been redeemed. And it's, it's like this. I, I've come to a place where I admit, I admit I'm not enough on my own. I admit that, that left up to my own devices, I would, I would lead myself down a pathway of self-destruction. I admit that I am broken and I've done most of the breaking. I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I am a sinner who has not lived according to God's perfect design for me. I admit this. And in admitting this, I really believe that God wants better for me. I really believe that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was this cosmic demonstration that that cross is what every one of us deserved. And I believe that that resurrection on the third day is a proof, a demonstration by God that God does not want to leave us in our death and in our dying. I admit I need more than me, and I believe that that may be found in this one called Jesus. And so therefore I confess, I belong to you. 
I confess that I yield my life to the one who is able to order it more beautifully, more disciplined than I can order it. I confess that you are the Lord of my life. Therefore, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live the Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live according to the will of the one who gave himself for me see I want to say some words about the Roman road I want to say some words about the ABC way to think about talking to people about coming to Christ but before I do before I give any qualifying word before I give any kind of disclaimer or word of caution about using that kind of style in talking about your faith I just want us to remember Millions of followers of Jesus have come into the faith through that way, through that pathway, admitting, believing, confessing. The only problem I have is that sometimes, and you have felt it too, sometimes that may be a difficult place to start with someone. A hard place to start the conversation about faith. That's why I want to say some words about those words. Now, you and I both know that the world has shifted. My good friend Rob Nash has put it this way. In this post-Christian era, when all of the way that we're oriented to truth and information and life and faith, when it's so shifted, so different than the way it used to be, we recognize that in a way it's like the equator itself has moved our own center of gravity is hard to sometimes find. In that kind of world, here's what you and I know to be true. Think of somebody you love. We, we process and receive truth different than we used to, to receive it. The world has changed in how we receive, understand, hear, receive truth. The truth hasn't changed. But the way in which we hear it and receive it certainly has. You want to you try me on that? Just test this, this formula that I mentioned on any one of our neighbors for whom that way of thinking and way of processing truth is foreign. We've moved to an era where experience matters more highly these days. What I'm talking about is you and I have been prone to think of faith as a propositional evangelism right a propositional evangelism here's what i mean by that this whole way of thinking where it's a plus b equals c this i've got a proposition if you say the right words believe the right things then you will end up being you know you, well it's very western western what do i mean by that european christianity did not begin in europe <laughs> christianity began not in the west but in the east see in europe when Christianity began to spread throughout Europe, there was a sense in which the European orientation to life, the worldview, the, the philosophies that emerged began to somehow merge with our Christian faith. And around the Enlightenment, maybe is the best example, around the Enlightenment, we discovered wonderful things, the scientific method. If you have a hypothesis, you remember this from your physical science class back in ninth grade. Oh, you just groaned, didn't you? Can I get a witness? 
there was a hypothesis. And then if you gathered some data, you could test the data. And the data could then be either uh, disproven or verified. And then the verified data could become a theory. There was a process to go by. And in that process, the scientific method, it was very linear. This plus this equals this. A plus B equals C. One plus two equals three. It's very linear thinking in terms of how to process information and truth. The trouble with that is that faith in Jesus Christ is not a linear theory to be proven. It's an experience to be lived. If you, if you want to question what I'm thinking about, ask yourself, why do I get uncomfortable when I have the opportunity, the door opens, and I want to walk through, but I've only been given a model that is so propositional that I'm afraid they're not going to hear me and I'm going to feel creepy because the world around us, the ever-changing world around us, is in need of a new way to hear the never-changing truth of the gospel. So if I can, can I offer not just words and words about those words and a little cautionary uh, tale, but if I can offer better words, better words, let them be these. So there was a, uh, a group of missionaries uh, who went to the Philippines. And in the book, or in the work, uh, the poet, the warrior, and the prophet, Reuben Alves, talks about it. They had prepared to evangelize in the Philippines. They had prepared, they had their formulas, their algorithms, their, their, their propositional approach to, uh, to converting those who need to hear the truth. They went to the Philippines. And this is what he writes. Please tell your stories, the villagers said to the newcomers. The villagers were all silent and smiled as the enlightened began telling the truth, but they did not tell stories. They opened thick books, treatises, commentaries, confessions, the crystallized results of their work, and it is reported as they spoke, the stars began to fade. Fade away until they disappeared and dark clouds covered the moon. The sea was suddenly silent and the warm breeze became a cold wind. What if in the world in which you and I desire to share the story of faith, what if the warm breeze has turned to a cold wind, not because we don't have the truth to share, but because we're not telling the story of what has happened in us. What I'm proposing this morning is what's been said before, a move, a shift from propositional evangelism to narrative evangelism. From propositional evangelism, uh, say these words, believe these things, and confess and live, which is absolutely true. And for millennia or for centuries has been a way to talk to those who are minded in that way, who are linear-minded, who are propositionally-minded. But I'm proposing in this shifting world in which we live, if the never-changing world around us is to hear the ever-changing the never-changing truth of, of Christ, we have to move from propositional evangelism to narr narrative evangelism. What do I mean? I mean, we have to learn to tell our story. It's what you saw up here. 
is telling the stories where Scotta and Chip tell that we heard five testimonies this morning of our deacons who are being ordained next week right here in worship tell their story it's about bearing witness to the thing that is happening within us last week I said beginning to tell your story or beginning to uh, learn how to share your witness it all begins by paying attention to the thing that God has been up to in you. Last week I said we have to remain awake to the presence and action of God currently in us right now. Not just where we first saw the light, but where we are currently seeing the light keep on coming on. And that may be the best way to begin a conversation, is to learn not only to stay attentive, and what I'm calling for is not easy. I'm talking about a daily discipline where you wake up in the morning and you say to the Lord, today I know that you will attempt to be up to something in me, and it will be up to something good, redemptive, whole, uh, beautiful, but I will be up to ignoring it. And I will be up to missing it because I'm just, I'm just not that keen. <laughs> And I'm asking you to show me, and at the end of the day, when the sun goes down and you're lying by yourself on your pillow, you say to the Lord, where did you try? Show me where it was you were attempting to be present and active in my life. And if we do that in a rhythmic, disciplined way every day, here's what happens. We remain awake and aware to the ongoing work of God, redemptive work of God in us. And then the second step is to find a way to talk about that to find a way to wrap words around the thing that we are now more and more aware of happening in us all the time. And a, a bad way to start, it's not a bad way to start talking about it by using wake-up language. Now, in the Bible, we have all kinds of language. We have linear language. Believe these things, confess these things, admit, believe, uh, and confess. And we have language that talks about substitutionary atonement and, and ransom atonement. But that's not the only way salvation is spoken of in the New Testament. You know what my favorite way is? Waking up. Waking up. Uh, much like this passage here from Romans. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. Or in Ephesians, listen to these words. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Or how about in Luke? Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. See, maybe bearing witness is learning to tell the unfinished story of how God is attempting to wake you up every day to the new thing God is always doing. What is God doing in you now to wake you up? What is it that you are currently being awakened to notice by God? Because this may be the pathway forward. In fact, as I'm thinking about waking up and these passages I've shared with you, there's another thought I want to share. If you can be aware of how God is attempting to wake you up, you can start a conversation much more comfortably there than the formula, than the proposition, 
Because I know God has been waking me up lately. Waking me up to 48-year-old patterns of self-destruction. To 48-year-old patterns of chasing my own shadow. And lately I've been awakening to find how Christ is trying to transform me even more into his own image. And I can talk about how God is attempting to wake me up. Can you talk about what you are waking up to these days? Because then you're able to, to talk about your faith. You say, well, how, how do I start it, though? That doesn't tell me how to start it. Yeah, it does. Because guess what? You don't have to start it. They will start it for you. Because somebody this week at work, at school, will ask you, how you doing? And you can blow them off. I'm fine. How are you? And I'm not, I'm not proposing anything creepy, but this is where your witness begins when somebody says, how you doing? And I don't mean, um, how you doing? Um, Romans 3.23 says that we're all sinners, and I just, you know, right? I'm not... I'm talking about, how you doing? Honestly, how am I doing? I'm okay, but I've been better. Because you know me a little bit, and you know I like control in my life. And, and to be honest with you, it seems like everything that I have had control over over the last six months, I've been getting to lose control over. It's like life is dismantling around me. It's like, listen to the language, it's like God is up to something in me. God always does that. I'm not saying that God is dismantling my life. I'm just saying life happens, and I just, I think God is doing something to wake me up to something, because now I'm beginning to pay attention to my wife, my husband, my kids. My, I'm beginning to pay attention to things I didn't pay attention to, and I don't, I don't know. So how am I doing? Um, I'll let you know, but it's a work in progress, and you've just planted a seed of conversation about the reality that you're attentive to the power and presence and action of a holy God. Or, how you, how you doing? How you doing today? Well, me, actually, I'm doing very well. Because I didn't think I would be, but I've been carrying this load. Because I have this, this decision I have to make, and I didn't know which way to go. And I've been asking advice, and, and I still, to be honest with you, haven't finished. I haven't made this decision. It's still kind of unresolved. But for about a week, I've been praying. I don't know if you're a praying person. I mean, we haven't gone there, really. I don't want to get creepy. But, you know, we've not gone there, but I've been praying about... Uh, how God can take this off of me. I'm like, I want to relinquish this and just trust. And I got to tell you something. I've been not sleeping at night and, and I haven't had an appetite because I've been worried about this. But once I started to, to pray that God would, would release this and, and help me let go of it, I had the best night's sleep I've ever had last night. And, and I feel like this stability of heart in me and this, this kind of security of mind. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm stable of heart. I'm, I've got peace of mind and I don't know. I just... I think God is up to something to try to teach me, to try to wake me up to the fact that I'm going to be okay because God's got this. I don't know, right? Now watch this, watch this. You know what they could do with that? You could do that and have 10 conversations with them that look like that. And nine out of the 10 conversations, they could say, oh, okay, well, cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Anyway, where are you going for lunch? But one out of 10 times, they may say, I, I feel you. I know, I know. I know what it's like. You talk about peace of mind. I've got like a, like a chaos of mind. And, and I've not been sleeping well either because this thing that you've been carrying around, I've been carrying around it too. I wish I was where you were. 
I mean, I don't know how you do it. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but I, I've got the same kind of unsettledness in my, in my life, and I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating. Ugh. And then you can say, well, you know, for me, I mean, I don't know about for you, but for me, here's my story. ABC. I had to come to a place where I had to admit, I can't do this. I had to come to a place where I had to admit that I'm not enough on my own. And, and when I began to admit that, that I can't fix this myself, I can't, I can't redeem myself, fix this problem on my own, I, I began to believe that maybe there was one bigger than me who wants this worked out even more than I do. And I believe that, I don't know, the God who I said is up to something in me. I believe that, that he is with me and, and has died for me so that this dying that I feel can be raised up to new life. And, and, and I'll confess to you, I, I know it sounds weak to let go, to follow somebody else's and pattern for my life, but I'm going to tell you, every time I let go and follow his way of relinquishment and trust, I sleep better. I don't know. Go figure. And you never know what God will do with a normal, non-creepy conversation like that. You know why? Because vulnerability matters. Vulnerability matters. You and I are drawn to vulnerability more than we are drawn to a proposition that's airtight, it's locked down, I got all the answers. Do you know that just this morning, I wasn't going to say this, I literally wasn't. Time is almost up, I probably shouldn't. Can I go on preach? Can I get a witness? I'm walking through the halls this morning and I see a friend of mine and I say to her, uh, hey, you want to know a secret? And here's what I did. I showed her, can I get a close up right here? that the seams of my pants are coming apart. And listen, I've got a safety pin. Can you see? Wait. I've got a safety pin holding my pants. If I didn't, it'd be... And I was like, shh, just... And you know what she did? She's wearing a sweater. She goes... And she held up a safety pin holding her sweater together. (laughs) Not kidding! I walk around the corner of that Sunday school hallway down to the end of the corner. There are about four or five of you. I'm not calling you by name. You're standing there. We walk up. Hey, how you doing? We're talking about how the day was. How, how, we talk about clothing. And I said, hey, you know what I just did? I just showed so-and-so this, this safety pin. You know, it's holding my pants together. And you know, what, you know what he did? He pulled up his pant leg to show a safety pin holding his clothes together. I'm not even kidding. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's the sermon that's the sermon, oh my, because beloved, you and I are not drawn to a, a kind of uh, disarming familiarity and closeness by someone who comes up with an airtight formula or proposition to follow. You and I are drawn to each other's vulnerabilities. We're all falling apart. Yeah, can I get a witness? And I'm just saying... If you and I can learn to be that candid, that honest with the ones we love most who want us to be honest with them and show, listen, I have an unfinished story. But in my unfinished story, I will admit that I believe and confess there is one 
who is finishing something beautiful in me. So, may you this week be confronted with a conversation that you did not expect. And may you this week, in that conversation, instead of feeling the butterflies of anxiety rise up and flutter, may you feel comfort and steadiness of heart like a warm blanket wrap around you because you know you have a story to tell that only you can tell. And may you, in that moment, share so freely and vulnerably with them what God is up to in you, even if it's unfinished, that you and they both are transformed because of it. Would you bow with me now in a word of prayer? God, we do come to a time of prayer where we confess to you that we sometimes get really uptight about this thing that you've called us to do. Because sometimes we assume that it's all on us. And we forget that we have a divine partner in this mandate to share good news in the world. We pray that somebody who is here today who needs to feel the good news and be transformed by the good news would walk forward and, and receive it this, this very day. But we also pray that those who are burning with a desire to share about your love with others, we pray that you would so transform us that we share like we never have, that we can't stop talking about it because if we stop talking about it, it would be a fire shut up in our bones. We pray that your spirit would move even now as we pray and commit and sing. In the name of Christ Jesus, the Lord of life, amen.